Ahí va Bota. Pelota para Eric Gutiérrez. Cae solo. El gol. Bota, gol. After a week break, I'm back with another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Here on a, a beautiful day, there's something about when I record these podcasts, um, it seems to bring out some really nice weather. So every time I'm recording this, the last few weeks, it's been sunny, not too cold, yeah, pretty warm. Actually, to, to be honest, I know the UK gets a lot of bad press for, for its weather, and I'm sure a lot of you guys think that just rains here all the time but it's not the case where I am in the uh, southeast of the country it's nowhere near as wet as other parts of the country and it's a bit warmer and recently it's been really nice we've had a yeah very good spring so far so you know don't believe everything you read about the UK having bad weather if you come to London come to the, the southwest then you might get some nice days Okay, let's crack on with this week's show, and as ever, we've got a big topic, a player of the week, and viewer questions. So, let's start with the big topic, and it's a tactical topic this week, and it's, a, it's, it's about a mentality, and also the tactics that come from it. So, the focus is on risk-taking, and I'm going to use two teams uh, to discuss as great examples of this. And they are Tigres and Necaxa. Now, these are two sides that are having pretty poor clausuras. Both had very good aperturas, you have to say. Tigres winning the title, Necaxa making it to the semi-finals of Ligia in their first season back in the top flight. But they've struggled so far, this clausura. Necaxa sit 17th, just 10 points uh, from 11 games, with Tigres 13th, surprise 13th place. They've scored just 10 goals in 11 games, despite the likes of Gignac, Vargas, Aquino, Zellerayan, Sosa, Quinones, Dam. Should I go on? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of talent in that team, as we know. But just 10 goals, they are the third lowest scorers in the league. Only Veracruz and Cruz Azul have scored less. So, these two teams are very different in many ways. Um, Tigres are a well-established club in the top flight, very successful recently, massive fan base, massive financial backing, very strong squad. And Necaxa on the other side are one of the smallest teams in the league, just got promoted. They're operating on a much lower budget. Not to say that they haven't got some stars in their team. Obviously, they do, particularly Edson Puch and uh, Marcelo Balavero. They've got some great players, but not on the level of Tigres. So two contrasting teams, and two teams that play contrasting styles. Uh, Tigres, as we know, are a possession-based team. They have pretty much every season, um, they, they have the highest amount of possession in the league. On the other hand, Necaxa are a counter-attacking side. They have little possession. So on the surface, they appear completely different teams in their styles. But actually, they share one thing in common, and that is they're both risk-averse in the way that they play. So Tigres aim to stop other teams from scoring by having the ball. So they will play a pretty high line, quite, for Liga Meki standards, you know, very high line. They will 
try and press you out of the ball. They'll try and win the ball back as quick as possible. And they will um, be safe when they have it. They don't take many risks in terms of the passes they make. They look to recycle the ball to keep it to, to play simple passes. And that's why you see them spending a lot of time passing it sideways and backwards around the midfield and the defence. Nakeksa are also risk averse. They aim to stop teams scoring by sitting deep, keeping compact, uh, getting lots of players back and reducing spaces in the final third so that opponents can't do much. So both teams aim in in their styles. The, the focus mostly is reducing risk of conceding goals. Now the problem is that can lead to not being able to score goals as, as you'd imagine you know if your focus is all on uh, not conceding then then scoring becomes an issue and we saw both sides put in some good performances this weekend I thought Tigres you know completely dominated against Leon completely dominated as, as you'd expect to an extent but they took it to another level complete domination Nekexa were even with Toluca, even game. They played pretty good stuff. Um, they, you know, they, they, I was very impressed with how they dealt with tight spaces. There were lots of occasions where they were able to keep the ball in tight spaces and then get the ball out into more open parts of the field. So both teams did well this weekend, but both teams lost. Both teams didn't score. And... In terms of the risk-averse, they share a massive thing in common, which is that they don't commit many players forward. So this was very apparent in the Toluca Nakaxa game because both sides were having actually fairly even levels of possession, which was a bit of a surprise. And you know, like I said, that's why I thought Nakaxa did well because I didn't expect them to have as much possession as they did. And that showed that they were doing they were doing well at keeping the ball when they had it, but when they were able to get out of those tight spaces and find space, they they didn't push many men forward. It was like okay, Pooch Isahara, you have the ball, you're completely outnumbered, but you know try and do something with it. Um, they weren't pushing their fullbacks forward. There was few runners from midfield and. It was just too easy. It was too easy for Toluca to defend. They didn't take that risk of pushing players forward, and it made it too easy for yeah Toluca to deal with. And Tigres are similar. They don't actually push that many men forward. They normally play four two three one or a four four two, and the whole emphasis is on the attacking four. So whether it be the two wingers and attacking midfielder and the striker, or the two wingers and the two strikers, it's all about what they can do when they're going forward. They get very little support from the rest of their team because the rest of the team, their focus is to keep the shape. You know, the two central midfielders, the, the full-backs, their focus is to keep their shape so that if they lose the ball, they're in a position where they can win it back and therefore reduce the risk that the other team will counter-attack and um, you know without the ball the other team can't do anything so you know, this is uh, Ferretti's focus have the ball and then the opposition can't do anything with it but that comes at this uh, at a cost and I think particularly 
the fact that they don't push the fullbacks on much means that they very rarely have those overlapping opportunities. They very rarely have areas of overload. You know, a 2v1 against the opposition fullback, for example. It's always about those 1v1 battles. It's always can Aquino or Dam or Sosa or Quinones, can they beat their man? And often teams against Tigres, they sit back, you know, they sit almost everyone back behind the ball. They get, they get deep, they reduce spaces in the final third. And even if one of Tigres' players is able to beat one, there's another one there. There's another man to beat. There's too many men around the ball. And they can't do it. And they can't find ways to score. You know, at the start of the season, I said that Tigres' struggles were probably due to fatigue because they had such a short break between the Ligia final and the start of this season. But now it has, you have to say that it has to be more than just fatigue. They've had the international break and they've come back and lost a bottom of the table they on. So it's not just fatigue. I think it's a problem with the style of play. It's such a the slow attacking style, which is risk averse, makes it too easy for opposition teams to defend against, and that's why they've only managed ten goals this season, despite all their starts. There's another problem with the risk averse strategies of Nakaxa and Tigres, and that is that risk in football, you can never get rid of it. You can you can mitigate it. You can try your best to reduce risk as much as possible, but risk is always going to be there. And here's the two examples of why. Nakaxa, in their defensive, you know, deep um, style of play, they invite teams on. They invite teams to put pressure on them. They invited Toluca to push men forward. And if you end up getting too deep, you end up having to defend in your box. And that's where, if you make a mistake, it's very likely it's going to be fatal. It's exactly what we saw on Sunday. You know, the key goal was was the own goal in, I think it was, you know, midway through the second half, there was the own goal from Chavez. Yeah, 72nd minute, Toluca got uh, the all-important goal that gave him the lead. If they didn't score that, it, it definitely could have ended nil-nil, I think. And the goal came because Nakaxa got too deep. Stripe uh, uh, Salinas was able to play a very good one-two, get in behind the defence, and his cross was turned in by uh, Chavez. Uh, a mistake, you know, and, and like I said, if you make a mistake in your own box, it's very likely it's going to be fatal and it's going to end up in the back of the net. And that's what he did. You know, couldn't clear the ball, it ends up slicing off him and goes in as an own goal, and they lose the game. Tigres' style is also, you know, um, not risk-free because when they're trying to win the ball back to keep the ball and stop the other team from creating chances, they push up. They have a high line. And right now, they have two old defenders who are not very quick, Hugo Ayala and Juninho. And this lack of pace was completely exploited in Leon's only goal of the game from Elias Hernandez. And Hernandez, you know, starts off a couple of yards um, behind the, the two Tigres centre-backs. 
that um, I'm not sure who who got the assist. I think um, that was it. it. Was it was Montez? Yeah, Luis Montez had a little bit of time to pick out a through ball. He clips the ball over the top. Hernandez times his run perfectly. He gets into full stride, and you know, Janino and Ayala were nowhere to be seen. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't keep up with his pace. So they try their best to to stop this problem by playing with Guzman as a sweeper keeper. But there's always going to be the risk when you play a high line that the other team are going to be able to exploit space in behind. And even if you are fantastic at playing um, offside traps, then even if, even if you are, there might be an occasion in games where you get it wrong. And if you've got slow defenders, then you're not going to be able to catch up with a player like Elias Hernandez. They didn't. He scored. Leon won. So... Tigres and the Caxa, different styles, but a similar idea of being risk-averse. But you can never be risk-free in football. And they do mitigate against risk, and they have been successful in the past with their styles of play. But right now, they're struggling. And, you know, teams, I guess, have worked them out. Leon are a side... Yeah, Leon are a great example. Under Torrente... A lot of their football's been about pressing game. They didn't do that at all against Tigres. They, they ha- they'd they seen the blueprint. In fact, it was Nakaxa that, that almost created the blueprint when they got the shock win at a Volcan last season. They copied it. They sat back deep. They, ca- they, they hit once or twice on the counter. In fact, they not only did they score the only goal of the game, they created the, the best chance that was missed by uh, Valdez in the first half. So, yeah, both sides tried to be risk-averse, but... Like I say, you can't be risk-free. And right now, it's not working because they aren't pushing enough players forward. They aren't causing enough problems for the opposition. And they're down the bottom of the table. Nakeksa, it's not the end of the world. Their first half of the season means that you know, they, they sh- they'll be fine relegation-wise. Although they do have next season to think about, of course, with uh, the Liga Mekis relegation system. But Tigres... Four points off Ligia now, only six games remaining in the season. It would be a huge shock if they didn't make it. And I think Ferretti would be wise to try and switch things up a little bit, as he did during last season's Ligia when they didn't dominate possession in every game that they played. The week, this week, is, well, there's only one candidate. He is the best player in this, of the clausura for me so far. He is the scorer of one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. He is Aviles Hurtado. What a goal. I mean, the I saw a tweet where they had the goal, the Rooney goal against Man City, and this goal um, next to each other. For me, this is better. This, is, this really is... The fact that it was an outswinging corner going away from goal, that he's turned, you know, he's hit the other way, just incredible. I mean, the presence of mind, first of all, to do this, this is something, you can't teach this. Who who would ever think that it would be a sensible decision to leap into a chilena directly from a corner? 
ridiculous, but this guy's a genius, you know? He's such a creative footballer, and he came up with this ridiculous solution to how I'm going to score from this corner. And he leaps into the air, he strikes it to perfection. I mean, to absolute perfection. It's as clean a volley as, as you'll see, ever. And ends up in the top corner of the net. No chance, no keeper in the world would have saved it. It's just unbelievable. And <laughs> I'm very fortunate I saw it live. Really, really fortunate. Because we had our old favourite four games at once on Saturday night. And I was watching Tigres Leon. I thought that, that was a game that I I couldn't miss. Because you know I wanted to see how Tigres would do. I decided I wouldn't watch Pachuca Puebla. Fantastic decision. Uh, you know, I've seen enough of those teams recently. And then it was a choice between Atlas Tijuana and Morelia Guadalajara. And I thought, you know, I haven't seen Atlas and Tijuana much recently. So even though Morelia Chivas is perhaps a more important game because of the relegation battle, I went for Atlas Tijuana and it was a fantastic <laughs> decision because... Incredible game and an incredible goal from an incredible footballer. I've spoken about him before. Uh, I said it when he was at Chiapas. I thought he was the best attacking midfielder in the league. I think he's gone on to even greater heights since moving to Cholos. And yeah, for me, best player in the Clausura so far. So could go on to be my MVP for the season. Thank you all once again if you've sent in a question this week. I really enjoy this section. I really enjoy getting your questions because one of the things I really struggle with with writing is coming up with ideas of articles to write. And, you know, I often have times when I have a couple hours free and I think, hey, I can write an article now. And I sit there and I just can't really come up with anything of an article that I could do. The only ideas I have are either a bit boring or... Like ridiculously complex and something that would take me a long time to do. So yeah, I struggle to come up with ideas. Uh, if you ever have, yeah, it makes me think, if you ever have an idea for an article that you think would be interesting, then uh, let me know on Twitter. and I might do it. I'll, have a, I'll certainly have a think about it because I do struggle to come up with ideas for articles sometimes. So yeah, this is where I love answering your questions because... They're always, they're always really, really interesting questions and stuff that I don't come up with. And particularly, you know, this first one's a fantastic example. It comes from Cesar Hernandez at Cesar H Football, who asked, if you could change one thing about how Liga MX is run, what would it be? So it's such an interesting question, this one. And one I just, I guess, never really thought about writing about or talking about. But it's something that I could do a whole show on, you know, um, Things I, things I could change about Liga Mekis if I were if I were in charge. But to pick one thing is very very difficult, and it's something I had a good long think about actually because there's, when you think about it, there's quite a lot of little things that I I would change. And things that would. Improve, I guess, my enjoyment of it, um, and perhaps, the quality of the league maybe or the excitement of the league, you know, things from whether it be marketing to 
uh, kickoff times, you know, and not having four games at once on a Saturday would be fantastic. But all of these things, these kind of little things that I was thinking about, are all unimportant, really, in comparison to the issue of player rights in the league. And yeah, when I thought about the Pacto de Caballeros, I, I thought this this has to be the one thing I'd change because, you know, the, how popular the league is, how um, how much I enjoy it is nowhere near as important as the rights of the footballers that play in it. Right now, there's a lack of, of rights, for sure. You know, the Pacto de Caballeros means they don't have freedom of contract when their contract expires to move within Mexico. And I think that's outrageous. I think it's completely wrong. And it's something that I'd, I'd love to see changed. I think it will have other benefits to the league as well. Perhaps bringing down the value of, of Mexican players, which could ha- end up benefiting the Mexico national team. But, yeah, most importantly, in terms of just the player rights, um, I think that's a, a crucial thing that needs to be changed. Next question comes from at Emilio 19 a good friend of the show. And Emilio asks, uh, well, not asks, actually, states, tells me to, forces me to do something I don't really want to do because I'm definitely going to get it wrong. Name your three candidates to win Liga Mekis, Copa Mekis, and Conquer Champions. I am going to get all these three wrong, so bet against me. Uh, no, okay, maybe don't. I shouldn't encourage that, because I might get them right. I, but I'm definitely not going to. I hate predicting Mexican football. Uh, I've said this before, I really hate it, because I, it's just so difficult. It's so difficult. <sighs> anyway, Liga Mekis. Uh, I'm going to say Toluca, and I know you're thinking... Okay, that was easy. They're top of the table. But I think all round, they're perhaps the least weak team, (laughs) if I can put it that way. I think they're pretty good defensively. Um, They haven't quite worked out their best system and their best lineup, perhaps. But there's a lot of quality in the side. There's tons of experience. And... If they need a goal, what they have is special creative players. Two of them, Pablo Barrientos and Senior. Those two players are the sort of guys that can really create something out of nothing. And looking at the rest of the kind of favourites, you know, Chivas, I'm not sure they have that. We've seen them struggle in the past in terms of turning domination into goals. Monterrey can be suspect, a bit suspect defensively, although I think they've solidified this season. But yeah, I'd, I'd say they sometimes can uh, can lack a bit of creativity in the midfield. Uh, you know, Cardona's not back to his best. And if, if they had a full fire in Cardona, I'd make them favourites. Tijuana are uh, fantastic going forward, but I think defensively concede too many. Pachuca have just been very dull this season. Again, you can't really write them off, but yeah, very dull. And then, yeah, perhaps Pumas as well, but again, defensively, there's not much there. So, look, I've, I've no idea. Uh, it could be any of those. It could be another team. It, it could even be Tigres could still do it. Um, Leon could still win the title. 
Who knows? They could. They could. You never know. But yeah, I'm going to say Toluca. Copa Mekis, I'm going to go for Monterrey. I think that Chivas have been playing a lot of reserve sides in the Copa Mekis. I'm not sure if that will change in the semifinals. If it doesn't, then I think Monterrey will win. And then the final, they'll face Cruz Azul or Morelia. And, you know, with their squad, the fact that they might be able to rest some players in the league because they're doing very well in the league, whereas Morelia have a relegation battle to worry about. Cruz Azul could still make Ligia, so they've still got that to think about. Uh, for those reasons, I'm going to go with Monterrey. And for the Conca champions, I will say Tigres. I think Tigres, although you know, I've spoke neg- negatively about them so far, their first leg lead should see them through to the final. And I'm not sure out of the other two teams who's going to go through, whether it be Dallas or Pachuca. Dallas having a lead from the first half or the first leg, but of course the second leg is in Mexico. So Pachuca have a good chance to get back into it. But yeah, the, the kind of the fact that I'm not sure which of those teams will go through, and I'm fairly confident Tigres will, means that I, I, I'll say Tigres to um, win the Conquer Champions. And, you know, I think they've looked a bit better as well in uh, continental football than in Mexican football. Our next one comes from at Alex underscore Badia93, who asks, who's making the jump from Europe uh, sorry, not from Europe, to Europe from Liga Mekis this summer. Uh, unfortunately, Alex, I'm not sure we're going to see many. I'm sure lots of people out there are hoping to see a few of Mexico's young talents moving to Europe this summer to you know incre- increase their knowledge, their development, their international profile. But I don't think we're going to see many. Uh, I would be surprised if Chucky doesn't go this summer. I think he could have gone before. You know, what you hear, I think surely he's got to go eventually. I think this could be it this summer. Perhaps after showing what he can do in the Confederations Cup. And of course, um, yeah, maybe in the CONCACAF Champions League as well, which is a tournament that scouts will be watching. So I think, I think Chucky will go. Apart from that, I'm not sure. Perhaps Jurgen Dam, just because he's in and out of the Tigres team, and he's he, you know, he he does have that German um, passport. But you know, would would a team in Europe wisely spend probably quite a few million on him? No, <laughs> to be honest, no. Yeah, not many. I don't see many. A couple from at Nilsenbor. Um, first one is, in your opinion, in quality and soccer level, uh, is Liga Meki far away from the soccer in Europe? So this is one of my favourite topics, and it's actually the, I think, in my opinion, the best article I've ever written was a statistical comparison between Liga Mekis, uh, the Premier League, and the Bundesliga. If, if you want to find it, it's, um, have you gone the... F- Footmex Nation website, footmexnation.com. Go on to research pieces at the top, and it's one of the research pieces there. Uh, I think it's called How Does Liga Mekis Compare with Other Leagues? A Statistical Study. I, I, I think it's the best article I've ever written, personally. It was, it was very long. Um, 
pretty in depth, took a long time to work on, and it's something I'm, I'm quite proud of, to be honest, and it's something I really enjoyed doing. So, yeah, I, lo- I love this topic. It's really interesting for me because I think it's it's very difficult to say, but the main thing I'd say is it's different. Quality, you know, quality is subjective. It's very subjective. I know that sounds weird because you can quantify quality in football by playing matches and seeing who wins, but I think it is kind of subjective because the styles of play are so different. I think where Liga Mekis does fall down in comparison to the top leagues is that you'll see more errors being made. I think you, you do see more mistakes, particularly defensive errors, which lead to not great quality goals. Um, and that that's perhaps where it, it comes off badly at times. You know, if, if you see those defensive errors, it's easy for people to see that and then put down the league. But, I, you know, I don't think it's it's that far away. I really don't from, from the top leagues. And mainly it's different. It's, it's different. You get a, a different style of play. You get teams that are very, very willing to play out from the back. You get a much slower um, play. And one thing that was fascinating that I found when I, I did my comparison was that there's both slower tempo of play in terms of how much teams pass the ball around, but also how fast teams um, move the ball, but also how fast the game itself runs. So the like the ball isn't in play as much in Liga Mekis as it is in the Premier League and the Bundesliga. That's perhaps because they take longer over I don't know, throw-ins, free kicks, things like that. That's a really interesting thing. Um, maybe there's less stoppage time as well. Uh, often you get no ad- additional time in the first half of Liga Mekis games where you pretty much always do in the Premier League and, and the Bundesliga. Um, there's also more kind of attacking moments, I guess you could say, per pass. So one thing I did with my study was that I worked everything out per pass to take into account the slower tempo of play. So whilst there's a, there's a slower tempo of play, which means like there's more shots in uh, these European leagues, when you look at per-pass stats, there are actually more shots in Liga Mekis. There's more attacks with five or more passes. There's more counter-attacks. There's more dribbles, and there's more goals. When you, so when you take into consideration that it's a slower tempo... There's more attacking play and more excitement, which perhaps suggests that there's a lower quality. But you know that depends how you see it. Whether you're, you know, whether you're looking at attacking quality or defensive quality. So, I think the other thing that's key about Liga Mekis when you talk about it in comparison to other leagues is the parity. Everyone loves talking about the parity, and it is a massive thing because you don't see other leagues with such parity you don't see there's very few leagues where the smallest clubs in the league are as strong and as well supported as 
they are in Liga Mekis. And, you know, maybe, obviously, Premier League, Bundesliga, uh, are, there are big clubs across the, across the league. But even when you go down to Spain and Italy, you know, let alone going down to, like, the Netherlands and Portugal, even in Spain, Italy, France, you look at the attendance figures and you look at the financial situations of the teams at the bottom, and it's it's lower than the teams at the bottom of Liga Mekis. So there's this fantastic parity, which I think makes the league so exciting. And, and people, when they talk about the Premier League, are like, oh, well, maybe it's not the best quality, but it's the most exciting league in the world because of the parity. <laughs> they, if they think that's parity, you know, they need to, they need to see Liga Mekis. Liga Mekis puts the Premier League to shame when it comes to parity. But yeah, overall, I would say I don't think it's that far away, but it depends from your perspective. If it, all, it depends on what type of football you want to see. You know, if you want to see very tactical, um, you know, teams that are good defensively, are well drilled, are organised, press very well, Liga Mekis isn't, isn't the league for you. Probably because of the um, climate and the altitude it's just not that possible to press um, but if you're coming for flair creativity uh, attractive football plenty of golazos i think i think you can't get better than mexican football i don't think you can so yeah uh, it depends on your perspective that's what i'd say Another one from at Nils and Boys. What team do you support in Liga Mekis? I've said this before. I don't support anyone in Liga Mekis. I don't have any connection to any team. And I like it that way. You know, I, I like just watching the league. I'm a fan of the league. I'm an analyst, a writer, whatever, of the league as well. And I think that helps me. Uh, the fact that I don't support a team. This season, I've become a little bit connected, you may have noticed, a little bit connected to Chiapas for the football that they play. But this is a, a love of the team as it is right now. And, you know, next season, they'll probably have a different manager, 15 new players, and it'll be a completely different team. So the, as the institution itself, I, I'm, not, I'm not really connected to Chiapas. The current team that they have, I, I like. And um, they're my favourite team to watch in Liga Mekis right now. Yeah, I don't really support anyone. Final question from at Jeanette L93, who asks, who would you like to see join the national team? Without a doubt, I would like to see Cesar Montes join the national team. For me, he's been the best Mexican defender in Liga Mekis over the last probably year and a half. Uh, Nestor Arajo has been good as well, but I think for me, Montes has been a little bit better. And there's only one reason why I can think that I can think of that he hasn't been called up for the national team yet, and that is his age. Now, his age and lack of experience could potentially lead to lower performances in international football, but it doesn't definitely mean he's going to perform worse for the Mexico national team. And you know, yeah, like like I said, age can be a negative factor, but it's not necessarily. In some players, it doesn't um, lead to reduced performances. And from what I've seen from Montez, I'm not convinced it would. You know, he's been so good for Monterrey. He's stepped straight into the team and 
has been consistently one of the best defenders in Mexico. I don't see why that would be any different for El Tri, and I think he absolutely deserves a chance to show Osorio what he can do for the national team. I still you know, have high hopes that he'll play this summer in the Gold Cup at least, um, but to be honest, I think he could have been starting for Mexico already. You look at the defensive situation and... Um, you know who who should play alongside uh, Hector Moreno? Should it be Reyes, who's played well this season but hasn't done very well for Mexico in the past? Should it be Salcedo, who's playing very little football at Fiorentina? Should it be Nestor Araujo, who's doing well at Santos? Or should it be Montes? For me, Montes makes a very strong case, and I would be tempted to to actually start him for the Mexico national team. So the fact that he's currently not getting called up for the squad and is yet to make his debut, I think is ridiculous. And um, he's yeah, definitely the one player I would love to see play for L3. All right, guys, that's it for this week's edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Thank you very much for everyone who has listened to the show. And obviously a big thanks to everyone who sent in the questions. I will be back next week with another edition in the meantime, enjoy this week's football. See you next week. Para Jefferson Montero, va a la raya de fondo, frena, saca tiro centro. Gol.